Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Wednesday, February 15th. Good morning and welcome back to the final hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Along with Glenn Leverance and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for making us a part of your morning all across America and around the world at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. A quick reminder, especially for you baseball fans uh, this morning, Lent starts next Wednesday and Major League Baseball spring training starts today for many teams with pitchers and catchers reporting today. I love to say that. Spring hopes eternal. So uh, let your heart not be troubled because uh, baseball is on its way. On Wednesdays, uh, I always take a moment to remind you to pray to St. Joseph, the husband of our Blessed Mother Mary and the foster father of Jesus. He is a powerful intercessor. So again, just a reminder on Wednesdays, go to Joseph. You can find us on Twitter at Morning Air Show as well as on Facebook. And you can always send us an email directly, morningair at relevantradio.com. Want to bring in our Morning Air team once again, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories uh, making headlines here this hour? Well, no news exactly yet on what those objects that were shot down last week over Alaska, Canada, and Lake Huron near Michigan were. Uh, we're acknowledging they might not have been nefarious things. They might have been uh, you know, commercial enterprises of some sort, uh, old weather balloons. We don't know yet, and yeah, they, uh, they haven't found some of these uh, objects are in, you know, fallen in, in pieces, of course, after being blown up by missiles from U.S. jets uh, in very remote and cold areas or under a lot of water, like here on pretty deep in the spot where that went down. So no word yet, uh, no assumption it was UFOs or even China, John. Uh, the White House <laughs> says that they're not embarrassed uh, as the uh, Biden administration has really, for all practical purposes, has been pretty uh, silent on on some of these uh, shoot downs uh, of these objects. Uh, it, there's still a lot of questions that uh, have not been answered. And, um, you know, you, you, you got to stop and wonder, when are we going to hear from our commander in chief? Yeah, again, uh, thoughts are that uh, they'll know much more when the debris gets recovered. That uh, hasn't happened yet, at least as far as been announced. Uh, some thoughts are uh, since the Chinese weather balloon, uh, weather balloon, uh, in quotes, uh, Chinese spy balloon a couple weeks ago, that we've uh, tuned our radars to be, uh, you know, a little more precise in, uh, in finding things. So we're finding more things out there on radar than we might have before. Uh, also, uh, one bit of concrete news. It took two missiles to shoot down that last object over Lake Huron. Uh, the first one missed. Uh, but uh, there you go. So still waiting, uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, outer space beings of any sort <laughs> or uh, or folks from China, Russia. We don't know yet. But uh, meanwhile, a speculation always rampant in the U.S. Yes, stay tuned. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll learn more uh, in the days to come. Uh, meanwhile, you had a really uh, privileged opportunity yesterday uh, to see a bishop's ordination. That had to be really special, Glenn. Yeah, Bishop Patrick Neary, new bishop of St. Cloud, Minnesota, uh, home of the KS Network, uh, one of the sets of affiliates in the relevant radio network, and uh, always uh, a beautiful opportunity. If folks ever get that chance to uh, go to a, an Episcopal ordination, and this was an ordination as well as installation— 
as Bishop Neary elevated from being a priest in the, the Portland, Oregon Diocese, and having done a lot of interesting things in his background as well. Uh, now Bishop of St. Cloud, uh, Archbishop uh, Christophe Pierre was there representing the Vatican, and uh, Archbishop Bernard Hebda from St. Paul, Minneapolis, presided over that. So a couple maybe familiar names. Uh, Bishop Walk out of uh, Pensacola, Tallahassee, a longtime guest on Morning Air as well, uh, was there uh, helping in the in what was going on as well during the course of the day. But I tell you, to get to kind of sit up front with the press and get to hear a cathedral full of voices with all the priests and bishops on hand uh, in full voice singing, and also during the consecration uh, uh, with their voices is loud. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Beautiful you're, thing. You're giving me a Holy Spirit goosebumps just describing it. I can just imagine <laughs> what a spectacular uh, scene it was. And, uh, you know, as I, as I mentioned last hour, um, you know, we always have to keep in mind uh, anytime a bishop uh, is uh, installed, um, the bishops are the successors of the apostles, and uh, through the laying on of hands uh, for 2,000 years, it goes all the way back uh, to the original 12 apostles. And a quick question, Glenn. Just wondering if uh, this new bishop, Neary, if he is related to maybe St. Philip Neary? Any kind of relation there? Did you hear anything about that? I mean... <laughs> You know, we sat by the family and never thought to ask. My goodness. Great question. Uh, Does it go back? How, I mean, we know the apostolic going back, but just, you know, it'd be interesting to get a little saint on your hand. That would be cool. I mean, no pressure or anything, but. Oh, as far as family, it was beautiful. He had five sisters that he grew up with, and they were all there. They brought up the gifts. His folks were there, too, uh, both still alive. And so what a blessing to be elevated to bishop in front of your whole family there, too. So it was a, a beautiful day. And that laying out of hands, John, as well. Uh, I was thinking about that as many of the bishops uh, that were present there did that. And to think, wow, they were laying on hands, and hands have been laid on them by people who had had hands laid on them going back all the way to Christ. Uh, that's that's pretty amazing, over 2,000 years. Absolutely. A special moment. Uh, meanwhile, uh, there will be some special moments and lots of memories uh, today in Kansas City as uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs uh, will be honored today at noon central in a victory parade, their second uh, Super Bowl championship in four years. The Lombardi Trophy, I'm sure, will be on display, and uh, they're expecting a massive crowd uh, for uh, this victory parade, uh, Glenn. I can only imagine being a Vikings fan. I can literally only imagine what that <laughs> might be like. Uh, there was a, a side bet involved as well between the governors of Pennsylvania and, and Kansas in the Pennsylvania governor, uh, Josh Shapiro's office. He's flying a Kansas City Chiefs flag and uh, soon in the mail to pay off his side of the bet heading to, to Kansas. Governor Laura Kelly will receive some cheesesteaks and Philly soft pretzels very soon. Oh, that sounds delicious, man. I can't even wait for for lunch yet. It's still breakfast time, but that sounds delicious. You can imagine we're still waiting for another uh, Lombardi Trophy in Chicago. It's been a while since... Uh, um, 1986 and Super Bowl 20 for the Bears. So, well, there's uh, we, a bunch of uh, people all around the nation in all their different various states who are waiting for that same trophy. So it might be a wait, but hey, it's worth the wait when you get to celebrate. There you go. All right. Thanks so much, Sarah and Glenn, as always. And we always start every hour and every uh, show, for that matter, uh, in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Now, can you believe that Lent literally is right around the corner? Ash Wednesday is coming up a week from today, February 22nd. I want to remind you that you can elevate your Lent this year in just two minutes each day with Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. They are jam-packed with all kinds of interesting facts and teachings to help you learn more about the Mass and about your faith. See why these bite-sized videos had over a million views uh, just last year. So you can sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com slash Lent. And the good news is they are 100% free. Our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. Now, do you know that a new prayer of absolution will be put into effect on Ash Wednesday in the United States? That's right. There's a couple of changes in the English prayer translation from the Latin uh, that will be taking place. It'll go in effect uh, uh, this uh, coming Ash Wednesday next week. And with that, it's a perfect opportunity to talk about the beauty of confession uh, as the, the basis of our conversion during uh, this upcoming Lent. Joining us live is our spiritual director today, Father Marcel Tayon, which much more on the right of confession changes on Ash Wednesday and uh, why we should go to confession before Lent to prepare us for the season. Father Tayon is the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island. He has served for over a decade in vocation ministry for Our Lady of Providence Seminary while chaplain of Bishop Hendrickson High School, and he's also a longtime Relevant Radio and Morning Air contributor. Good morning, Father Tyone. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Great to be with you to talk about confession, one of my favorite topics. Well, it is, and it should be. And uh, you're right, you'd mentioned at the top of the hour here about the change coming to... So confession's not changing, absolution's not changing, Christ hasn't changed. What's changed uh, starting Ash Wednesday, it's really more for the priest, um, and, and mostly uh, for the priest, uh, really just sort of like when we had the Mass changes, and we say, peace and the Lord be with you, and also with you, and with your spirit. Um, we had all these kind of updates to the more faithful translation in the Mass, um, when the translation was done kind of quickly after the Council, and the uh, formula for absolution the priest will use is slightly changing, and it's it's almost around it's around sounds sort of like the same thing that we did at mass a little bit, right? So before um, used to uh, say in the in the what we're using now is poured out the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. So when you after you're done confessing, the priest absolves you. Christ absolves you through the priesthood of Christ through the priest, and there's a slight change. So the words were poured out 
the Holy Spirit for forgiveness of sins. Um, that's the new translation, and the old one was sent the Holy Spirit among us. So I find it's it's very similar to the updates to the Mass, but it's very beautiful. So we're, we're just, the Church is insisting the priests say, poured out the Holy Spirit, and God grant you pardon and peace instead of give you pardon and peace. Against, I think it goes right back to similar changes to, to the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Um, again, kind of going to that deeper meaning. So God's pouring out the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out at that bishop's ordination you talked about yesterday, I think, in St. Cloud. The Holy Spirit poured out at ordination upon that bishop and those there present praying. So the Holy Spirit pours out, and he's pouring out on us uh, in confession. So the Church is, is really just tweaking those words to almost more beautifully capture in particularity what's actually happening during the absolution. And God's giving you pardon and peace, not granting you. He's, it's giving self self-giving love in the Trinity, pouring out, giving you pardon and peace for your sins. So I don't think, I'll be honest, I think most people would never notice um, the change in the formula at all. It's a slight change. I don't think the penitents will actually notice too much. And most people, I think, at that moment when they're being absolved by Christ, they're relishing that experience and not concentrating so much on every word that the priest would say. So I don't think it'll be too noticed uh, very much in, uh, in the ritual, but it's important. I think the the change is a great way to start conversation like we're doing today about confession. But one of your favorite topics, why, why, do you, why is it your favorite topic? Because you love, who doesn't want to be loved by God and loved in fullness, especially in, in the struggles we've had in our past? So Ash Wednesday is next week, so hopefully everybody's going to kind of uh, line up for confession at some point during Lent, uh, preferably at the beginning, and I, I think it's a great way to start Lent. There's no better... Um, the thing to do in, in the spirit, Lent is called the season of repentance, meaning turning around, repent from sin, turn away from sin, turn towards God, and uh, and might be able to to do that hopefully soon uh, at the beginning of Lent to experience the Lord's love for us. And, and the new translation is a great moment to reflect on the theology of the words of what's happening in the sacrament. And and again, just a couple of points. Uh, this is a new translation of uh, of the Latin, and it's probably a, a better translation. But it's like you said, it's it's just a small little tweak. Uh, the reality is, it's it's the the whole words of absolution uh, that is important. And uh, you know, when you hear those words, when you're in the confessional box, uh, I'm reminded of uh, uh, the great Saint Augustine who called uh, the uh, uh, the confessional the medicine box because. We're literally, uh, you know, we're sick and we're getting medicine. And uh, Jesus is the is the great physician. And so uh, I love that image. But I love it. when you hear those words from the priest. I get emotional sometimes when I'm in confession because I realize, yes, it's a human being. It's a priest on the other side. But it's Jesus himself speaking through the priest. Christ is speaking to me, speaking to us in confession. And if you have that image in your mind, it I think it really makes it come alive. And it's, it's a very powerful reminder that we're going to confession to a priest, but it's to Jesus himself. You know, it's a great point. And again, we each, every Catholic priest shares in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. So even if you go to an ordination, usually says on the prayer card you might get, ordained the priest of Jesus Christ. He's not ordained a priest of himself. And uh, I like the very traditional, kind of old-fashioned pictures. They often have Jesus um, behind the priest in the confessional with his hands out behind the priest doing the absolution. That's why the priest speaks in the person of Jesus because of ordination. He says, I absolve you. It's not Father Tyone, Father Rocky. It's Christ, the high priest, that says, I absolve you. So when we hear those names, I think you're right. If you, if you really 
enter into that moment when Christ is absolving you, it's it's very emotional, it's very supernatural, it's very real, and it just increases the grace that we receive, the healing. It's a sacrament of healing, and we all need healing. We're all, none of us is perfect. Our hearts need to be healed. How we see ourselves, many people struggle with with a healthy, balanced a Christian self-love and confession is the divine physician. We we all need doctors of the body. So often in confession is Christ the physician of our soul and and body, mind and spirit, but especially our heart. So that's the Lord. You know, Christ is a divine physician. He's oh, he's he's the best cardiologist that's ever been. Right? He's he can repair the heart and get it uh, perfect again. Uh, in the sight of God and our souls. So the soul's hungry for confession, for the Eucharist, for Mass. So all these sacraments are, are really Christ wanting to give himself to us. And it's no better, no better topic on the week before before Ash Wednesday. So it's great. Father Tyone, I love that image. Uh, uh, a cardiologist, the great physician, our Lord Jesus. That That is awesome. Just a, a practical question. Uh, Father, now you've been doing the previous uh, version of uh, absolution uh, for quite some time. I imagine there's going to be a grace period for priests uh, to get used to the new lingo. Yeah, it's hard. I think it's harder. This is a change that kind of really falls on the, the confessor, the priest, to, to be attentive. And I've been priest 28 years, and you just you know the formula, you just pray it just um like when the new mass parts came, I think when the new sacramentary came out and uh these tweaks like they're you know, sometimes I will hear a priest uh still at mass fall into like the old words and once in a while I'll be con celebrating at the cathedral or some a lot of priests and you hear the priest sort of fall back, particularly the older guys fall back into some of the old <laughs> verbiage they catch themselves. Me too. And I think it's obviously it's <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, I've heard like, it too. It happens, I've noticed. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually, actually follow along kind of in the missile, so I, you know, when when something is said that, uh, you know, that is a little different than what's in the missile, you know, I, I notice those things. But you know, again. Um, uh, those those are very small little details, but you know, uh, if the, the liturgy belongs to the church, so we need to try to be as faithful and loyal as possible. Yeah, and I think two things. I think you know, so if the priest doesn't do the new words, it's still a valid absolution, right? So that the intention is there, the church uh, intends, and Christ responds to that. So uh, the priest, we have we have some homework to do around that. And I'll be honest, at a wedding or a funeral, and when you start a mass and say the Lord be with you, and everyone says, and also with you, you kind of know they haven't been to mass in a long time, right? So you sort right. of we tweak the catechesis. Honestly, it's a great tool for priests because. The change allows us to kind of change the catechetics, the homiletics, um, sort of go back to the basics uh, to make sure that you're preaching to the right crowd. So if if, everyone, if the whole church says, and with your spirit, you know, they're practicing, and if they're not, then we, we just got to get them back home and, and preach them back into Christ and, and what's going on. But it's also it's also, it's a strange, wonderful tool that the clergy has uh, in, in helping people uh, to to understand. So, but this one falls to the priest. So I think we got to we got our work cut out for us. Got to pay attention uh, in the next year, and uh, I'm certainly going to make a copy of this and and put it with me in the confessional till you know make sure I'm I'm following the church's uh, desire for this and, and making sure sacraments are always again the church the liturgy isn't ours it belongs to the church and and we have to do uh, in a positive way and you're right you said that you know this is a it's a more faithful translation this is a more the church is rendering a more faithful translation to to the latin to the text that we've had so it's an improvement it's not going backwards it's a going forward so uh, I love that when these things happen, it's a great cause for reflection, discussion, and, and thought and prayer. 
and I think it's it's a good thing, you know, consubstantial with the Father. I still love that word. I think it's a beautiful word, and it makes people think of uh, the nature of the Trinity and what does it mean Christ is one substance with the Father. And a lot of people say, what does that mean? What does it mean? And it's great they ask, what does it mean? The change raises questions, and hopefully faith, discernment, and study. So these things are really good. Liturgical updates are actually a great moment uh, for us to, to catechize and also for ourselves to deepen what's happening in the sacraments. So it's a great uh, it's a great gift for being given on Ash Wednesday, and hopefully this Lent will be a special one and the best one we've all ever had before. I think that would that would please the Lord if we receive more mercy this year than ever before. Then uh, then we're, we're doing what the Church is hoping with these tweaks as well. And, and Father Tyone, um, it's, it's also a great opportunity to talk about this beautiful sacrament of confession. Real quickly here in, in the final moments that we have, um, some keys to having a, a valid confession. What, what is needed uh, from us for it to be a good confession? Yeah, so we actually we have to be sorry. That's a great question. We actually have to be sorry, be contrite, be prepared. Uh, fulfill the penance that's given to you. And again, um, sometimes, you know, do a good job preparing. We don't want to get, you know, scrupulous at all. If you're a scrupulous person, this can almost be over the top. But many people, we, we don't know how to prepare. So that's why there's so many aids out there today, videos on relevant radio, website, uh, you know, Hollow app. There's so many great examination of conscience. And many of them are geared to our vocation. If you're married, if you're single, if you're elderly, uh, there's different examinations that help us prepare and you know father mike schmidt has something out and you know he always says you can make a list if it helps you to make a list you know it's okay just and once you get in there just be at peace and confessors are helpful people shepherds uh, spiritual life coaches you know again again we let jesus do his heart surgery right and uh, he we uh, who doesn't want a perfectly beating heart and uh, and a soul a soul that's alive in christ and knows it's loved by god the father and if you're baptized and listening to the show today and you haven't been to confession in at least a year or a long time, uh, don't don't be afraid. The anxiety is part of the preparation, but but cross the bridge of this Lent. I challenge you to do that and all of us to, to make what we call a good confession and uh, and look forward to it. And as you experience, sometimes you get emotional when you're receiving absolution because you're so loved, and that, that's a great testimony. I think that's that's a great witness I heard this morning from yourself about, about what you've received there, and, and hopefully we want everyone else to get that too. You know, sometimes, Father, you, you just uh, you, you can't help yourself. You, you, you feel your eyes well up in just gratitude. You know the Lord is on the other side uh, absolving you of your sins, and you just want to be in good relationship. And so, yeah, that's it's been my experience at uh, times to, to actually uh, you know feel the, those emotions there in, in the confessional. So uh, this has been great. There's so much more we can talk about confession. Maybe we can uh, uh, do it the next time around uh, because uh, this is so important here. And the other thing is we shouldn't have only wait until Lent. Uh, if we need to go to confession between now and Lent, by all means, we should go. Go go today. Go Saturday, you know, and uh, it'll be good. So uh, I just ask your prayers, too. We're heading out for, to Louisiana to a uh, mission trip next week. I won't be with you, but just please pray for us and our teenagers going to down deep into the Lafayette Diocese uh, next week. So I'll pray for you there. Thank you, Father Tyone. You will be in our prayers. As always, really appreciate uh, your spiritual direction and your insights. All right. God bless you. Father Marcel Tyone, the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island, and a longtime Relevant Radio and Morning Air contributor. 
We need to take a short break. When we come back, personal sex coach Dave Duran will be with us to talk about some of the signs uh, that your pride is holding you back, despite the fact that you might not even be able to see it. So we're going to talk about pride. Stay with us as we are headed down the stretch as Morning Air continues here on this Wednesday on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Baby, Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in here on this Wednesday morning. And as I've been uh, reminding the folks uh, all morning long, pitchers and catchers are reporting to spring training today. Hope springs eternal. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, Baseball is right around the corner for you uh, MLB fans. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from 2 Corinthians 5-7. The Apostle St. Paul writes, For we walk by faith and not by sight. St. Paul is reminding us of the importance of living our everyday lives by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We rely on our faith in Christ. Even though we can't see him, he is with us always, just as he promised. Christ is with us in sacred scripture. He is with us par excellence in the Holy Eucharist. He is with us in confession, in the sacraments, in one another, in so many ways. So, Let's live by faith in the Lord and not by sight. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer that Drew prays every afternoon during the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation this morning, 888-914-9149. We're going to talk about pride. Do you consider yourself to be a prideful person? You're probably thinking, wow, <laughs> if you, did you just say no? Uh, no, of course I'm not a, a prideful person. Sometimes our own pride doesn't even allow us to realize just how full of pride we actually are. In the spiritual life, it's pride, disobedience that leads to death, while humility and obedience leads to life. Joining us live with much more perspective from Fort Myers, Florida, is our longtime Morning Air contributor and personal success coach, Dave Duran, who will share with us five signs that your pride is holding you back, despite the fact that you can't see it. Dave Duran is an author, speaker, and executive coach. He is the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media and a founder of Lighthouse Catholic Media and DE Media. And you can always follow Dave on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Good morning, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you once again. Hey, good morning, John. Great to be with you. Uh, Dave, I got to say that I am a little envious uh, since you're down there in uh, the uh, Sunshine State, uh, home of spring training, mm-hmm. uh, along with Arizona, where, where the uh, the baseball players are reporting uh, on this very day. I, I wish I could see a little bit. Oh, yeah. There's a handful of teams uh, very close to where I am right here, no doubt about it. And lots of people descend on down to see them. Well, Dave, um, be, uh, we can think of ourselves uh, as not being a prideful, uh, and and you know some people think of 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 being prideful, being you know those arrogant type uh, folks, but that may not necessarily be the case. 
No, you know, pride uh, shows up differently for all of us, especially according to our temperament. You know, so if you're um, a sanguine person, it's really easy to see your pride because, you know, you always you dress nice, you drive a nice car if you can afford it. You, you know, you show it like that. And the caloric person, they're like in charge and they have a strong opinion and they're going to say it. But the phlegmatic person is going to be a little more subtle. They're going to say something like, you know what? I would never act that way, (laughs) you know? So they make it sound a little bit more righteous. Like, I would never be like that person, which really, in reality, is kind of a pride or it'd be sometimes passive-aggressive. So none of us have a pass. It's just that some of our pride is seen easier than others. Dave, uh, you know, from your perspective, uh, so many years, uh, you know, uh, as a, as a, a coach and, and in business, uh, how do you define pride? Well, um, pride is any perception of ourselves that stands outside of reality. So it's the opposite of humility. Humility is precision truth about ourselves, particularly in the eyes of God, which the reason, you know, if we had precision truth about ourselves, you wouldn't need that extra statement because it would be assumed. But most people don't realize that, you know, when we try to play games with our own um, perception of ourselves, God doesn't, he's not, he's not fooled. So it's precision truth about ourselves in the eyes of God. So pride would be the opposite. Anything that inflates us beyond who we are, what we are, or what we have a right to, or anything that moves us away from holiness into sin. So all sins have pride at their root in the beginning, and then they manifest in something further. So uh, that's, that's really what it is. Now, in this particular thing, when we go through these, these five ideas, it's going to sound a little bit different. It's a little bit more of a practicalist, particularly if you're working with people, you're engaging with people, uh, you have a relationship with somebody else. I'll never forget a, a while back, uh, I went to Rome and I interviewed um, a cardinal. And he had been a priest for like 60 years. And, and the first question I asked him was, what are you most proud of when you look back at your career as a priest and, and, a, and a bishop and a cardinal? And he corrected me. He says, you know, son, uh, we're not supposed to be uh, prideful about anything. And I'll never forget that. He was reminding me of the importance of humility uh, at that moment. And uh, it was a lesson I'll never forget. I remember somebody telling me that they were in um, the Vatican in the garden and um, they, were, they were on a tour. They were, they were allowed to be in privately and, you know, they were a couple. So they had, you know, this opportunity to do something that was pretty rare. And they saw uh, Cardinal Ratzinger uh, before he was Pope. And they were super excited. They ran up to him and they said, oh, can, can, can we get a picture? And he said, yes, yeah, sure. And he grabbed their camera to take a picture of them. Oh, wow. That's humility. Yeah, right. It is to to not even recognize that that's what they wanted, you know. That is a great, great story. Well, um, you know, sometimes uh, it's it's really easy uh, to uh, not even realize that we are prideful. Uh, Let's talk about these five signs uh, that you uh, have discovered uh, that pride could be holding us back. Uh, Let's start with the first one. Well, the first one is you have a hard time accepting criticism, but you criticize others freely. Uh, this is a big one. You, you, you see people that in order to protect themselves from who they are, or bad habits that they have, are very willing to criticize and attack others because it's a distraction. It's a, hey, look over there, don't look over here. And as soon as that lens is turned the other direction and that person needs to accept criticism themselves, they, they have a very hard time with it. And they usually go on the attack or they say, well, 
you know, they become a victim. Well, if that's bad about me, then everything is bad about me. Why are you always criticizing me? Why do you have to do that? Um, you know, if you think I'm bad, you're worse. Or, you know, at least I don't do as bad as this person. So it's comparative scale. It's not really this, you know, maybe I should take a look at that. Now, by the way, false criticism can get even a not prideful person to react to something in a way that is, uh, you know, uh, needs to be regulated. Um, but at the same time, though, there's going to be a certain self-confidence that allows for that person to say, you know, I, I, I rest comfortably in the fact that that's not my behavior, you know, but what, what are you seeing? What are you, you know, what is this that's taking place? But I think the first thing we need to do when somebody makes some sort of criticism toward us is we need to ask ourselves, could this be true? And even if I don't have the habit that they're criticizing, could I have had a weak moment and how can I improve in that? And it's a, it's a good idea to at least have that present. Now, the, the one thing about this that I'd say is interesting is that the world is filled with a lot of people who make false accusations in order to control other people. And as soon as a person starts apologizing for things that aren't there because they're, they're, they're being manipulated, there becomes a problem. But one of the reasons that we're insulated from this sort of um, thing uh, causing us to actually be a uh, victim to it is because when we have humility, we have a really precise view of ourselves. And so if we're generally not afraid to accept criticism and we're generally working on ourselves, we're generally making change, we're, we're heading you know, headfirst into the idea that I am imperfect and I need to make changes and I know that, if this is the way we live our lives and now a false accusation comes in, it's actually a lot easier to handle it because we have a certain confidence there and we've also exercised the tool that we have, or I should say the, the, the muscle of humility to know the difference. And uh, in business or in sports or just about any area, if you're humble and you're willing to listen to somebody who might be giving you a critique, it could actually be a great benefit because you can make an adjustment and change what you're doing and do it better. Yeah, and usually the, the, the accusations that are the most true are the ones that hurt the most also. Um, because they're the ones that we need to accept responsibility for. They're the ones that probably hurt others. They're the ones that are hardest to change. So those are real things. All right. What about the second sign uh, that our pride could be holding us back? Well, this is a big one. You can understand people have. You, you can't understand people having different tastes or likes. They all seem stupid or ridiculous to you. Now, this is this is a very real thing, and there's a difference between you know, joking with a friend who likes peanut butter and you don't like peanut butter or they like the Vikings and you don't like the Vikings and you're, you're bantering in a way that's obviously not serious and, and is just fun. You mean like you and Glenn? Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. But I'm sure then, Glenn is hey, listening. Hey, now, hey, now. <laughs> I don't have anything to say this year, Glenn, and at the end you didn't either, so that works out fine for both of us. Um, I'm just dreaming but, of a Super Bowl parade. Only a dream. Yeah. Only a dream. <laughs> well, all you have to do is go back and look at the highlights from the past ones. Oops, sorry, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, no, so, but you can understand other people, or you can't understand other people having different likes or tastes. So, so literally, if they like a color or um, uh, a style or a food or a book or a type of music or theater, and you don't like it, you just think it's stupid. You say, I don't know why, it doesn't make any sense to me. That's, why would anybody like that? And, and, and this is on small things and big things where there's actually like almost a, 
a ridicule or a frustration or an anger with people who have different tastes than you as though yours are the correct ones and the other ones aren't correct. Now, we're, ta we're not talking about truths here. We're talking about opinions. Orange is my favorite color. Blue is my favorite color. I don't know how you can like orange. Why would anybody like orange? Orange is a stupid color. I just don't, I don't get that. You need to see it my way. And of course, it's not generally on a color, but we've been around people like this. All of us have. And, uh, and it, it's a very prideful thing. It is to say that the whole world should be seen through my lens alone. Now, this is different than when there is an, a truth, the truth about something, and we all need to move to what that truth is outside of our opinions. And that's where we're all subject to it. But the other person isn't subject to you not liking tomatoes, so therefore they must not like tomatoes in order to be a good person. It's just, it's, it gets this way. Great stuff. I, I love the banter back and forth here. <laughs> this is this is awesome. I want to invite our listeners, um, if uh, you have any thoughts on, uh, on pride, uh, if you have found yourself uh, having a hard time accepting a criticism, uh, or, or perhaps you don't understand people that have other tastes, I uh, would love uh, to hear uh, from you. We're taking your calls uh, for uh, Dave Duran. 888-914-9149. If you think perhaps that pride could be holding you back, uh, please uh, give us a call. We're going to take a short time out as we continue our discussion with Executive Coach Dave Durant, co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media. Stay with us. Much more on the other side. Looking at life from a Catholic worldview, this is Morning Air. 888 is the number if you want to be part of our conversation. We're talking about pride and signs that pride could be holding you back despite the fact that you can't see pride. Uh, we're joined this morning by our regular contributor, Dave Duran, our personal success coach. And Dave, uh, let's go right to uh, the third sign that our pride could be holding us back. Well, these are <clears throat> subtly different from the others, which matter. The first one is accepting criticism. Okay, you can't do it. The other one is not understanding different tastes or likes of other people. This one is you have a hard time hearing opposing views. They may not be about personal criticisms. They may not be about personal tastes but it's an opposing view. And so you can't tolerate it. You won't hear it. And if somebody tries to provide the opposing view to you, you will do whatever you can to control them. You will cut them off. You will not listen. You will shout them down. You, whatever it takes to not actually even hear it, to, to literally not allow that sound of the opposing view to exist, you, this is almost always centered by the fact that it challenges a person in their worldview. Not only does it challenge them uh, in their worldview, but it, it means that if their opposing view, if this view is different than what they see, is correct, there might be this humility that takes place because there was a wake of destruction because they advocated the other view for a long period of time. And realizing that they were wrong about this view is embarrassing because they were maybe loud about that view. Um, it's 
hurtful. It means that there might be apologies necessary for other people because they saw this view differently. So most people would rather be right to their own destruction than wrong to their own prosperity and the joy of others. And it hurts so bad, they just will not allow it. 888-914-9149. Steve is joining us from St. Paul, Minnesota. Good morning, uh, Steve. Welcome aboard. You're on with Dave Duran. Good morning to you guys. Thank you for this topic. Uh, I am I am very prideful. Um, where I fall short hugely is that third point, particularly with politics and particularly with other Catholics around the hot-button issues. And uh, you mentioned something earlier uh, that um, humility is um, uh, obedience to God's will, right? And uh, for me, anyway, in my simple understanding of church teaching, God gives us a bunch of rules that I want to do because I love God. And uh, yeah, I want to be obedient, which means that when I don't do those things, they're sinful. And where I become a clanging gong is when I hear other Catholics, particularly talking about political issues, saying, no, it's okay, you know, like abortion or same-sex marriage or those things that really are um, controversial. I find myself getting really riled up uh, and uh, angry. So I just wanted to share that. It's a struggle I have. And, and Steve, anyway, it's a, it's a it's a great insight, and and I would I would actually to provide some encouragement, say two things. One is I would say, it is rare that a person it, it happens. It is rare though that a person acknowledges how prideful they are, and really has a tremendous problem with pride. We still have pride, even if we're able to say I'm prideful, but most people who are prideful say they're not. In fact, usually when they see a list like this, they'll go, Well, yeah, but what if all that stuff's true? And they, they basically won't even acknowledge, I might do those things. Well, what if it's true that the other person's tastes are bad? You know, they, they literally can't even see that. So the person who has, we all have a problem with pride, but the person who has an unregulated problem with pride is generally unable to come on a radio show and say, hey, I have a problem with pride. Unless somehow they, they are using that in order to conjure up some sort of image in a way that they're, they're using motivated by pride. I mean, the, the, the human condition is pretty complex in that we can have all sorts of motivators, but... The other thing, too, that I would say is this. Just because you're frustrated, angry, and irritated by these things does not mean it's pride. Now, by the way, I think we all can have pride on this topic, so I, I get it. Just, just I'm not dismissing this at all. But I think that what's important to recognize in this is it's not that we have this, this internal frustration, irritation, and even righteous anger, because it should be a righteous anger when somebody says that these evil things should be purported, particularly advocated by people claim to be Christian. I mean, that's a frustrating thing. I think there's something wrong with us if we don't want to defend this whole idea. It's like if somebody wanted to insult your mom, you're like, whoa, that's not happening here. And you wouldn't call that pride for wanting to defend that. Instead, it's how we do it. When we go from that emotion and we start to act now in a way that is, is unrighteous, that is sinful, where we go on a personal attack toward the other person, or where we don't allow them to state their opinion. I personally have found that when people are totally wrong about views like that, the more they talk, the easier it is to actually win the argument because the sillier they sound. And it's, I think, important for us to just remain calm and to basically defend the truth, but do it as though Jesus is on one side and the Blessed Mother is on the other side. And they're kind of looking at us like, are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? Are you going to do this the way that I would approve of this? Which means in most cases to be calm to listen, to be patient, to be kind, to be understanding. And in other times, it actually means to fight pretty ferociously. 
And so we have to be careful that we don't misinterpret our strong emotions as automatically prideful emotion. It's really the way we manifest those that matters. But thanks for your participation. That's a really good insight. Steve, thanks so much. And thanks for the humility to call in. Uh, Danny is uh, joining us from Harlingen, Texas, uh, uh, right by the Rio Grande. Uh, good morning, uh, Danny. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question is, uh, let's say my a sibling uh, likes to dress a certain way, such as like really dark kind of, you know, likes to wear skulls and demon, like, pictures and depictions on their shirt, and uh, they're spreading that on to their children. Would it be a sign of pride to kind of try to steer them away from that or to, you know, tell them, you know, wait, that might not be the best choice and in, in how you should portray yourself? Like, would that be, like, imposing what I think is, you know, good style and, and, and not so healthy, like clothing choices? No, I mean, well, I, I think that one of the things that's important is to be able to communicate directly with the person who's advocating this with their own children in the first place. Um, but then secondarily, though, no, our example is important to other people um, where we don't have direct influence over them, where we don't have the actual authority to make a change, Okay the way that we influence that is, first of all, just by being. And when they see that, and they see joy attached to a person who has a Christian worldview, who believes in Christ, who's maybe wearing a crucifix as opposed to wearing a skull, okay? When they see the joy and they see these things, they start to make those associations. Or if you were to, you know, even provide a gift, like for some, you know, a birthday or something that had that sort of thing that advocated this sort of idea, you can make that message without saying it directly very often. Um, you can also do it in ways that are, are pretty complementary to the other person. There's no doubt about it. There's a certain line that we can cross when we're talking about other people's children that we have to be careful not to cross. But at the same time, there's a bit of an obligation that we have to show people light regardless of that circumstance. And this is where prudence really enters in. And you have to understand the dynamics of these relationships and to know how far can this be um, pushed or pressed before it becomes even further problematic and it actually pushes back against us. So I think the very fact that you're, you're, you're asking about this does matter um, and that there are ways that you can do it without infringing upon the relationship in a damaging way. But be prayerful about it. Thanks so much, Danny. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, real quick, uh, the fourth and fifth signs that our pride is holding us back, uh, Dave. The the fourth one, John, is you always, people often miss the point. Uh, topics become personal to them, even if it has nothing to do with them, okay? And they see it as an attack, and they go on the attack. So you might just be talking about a random topic, and all of a sudden that person makes it about them. You know, you say something like, um, uh, wow, uh, they got tired pretty early. Um, you know, I, uh, I guess they're, they're you know, they, they had a big day. And the person's like, well, you know, I get tired like that sometimes too, and, and they start kind of like as though you were talking about them or as though you were making a moral judgment. You're just making an observation. These particular people happen to be tired, they're going to bed, and now this person is defensive because maybe someday at some point somebody told them they were tired and it becomes totally about them. And so it's this very interesting thing where they can take a topic that's not at all about them and not even necessarily a, a judgmental topic and to find defense in it. 
So you will find that a prideful person is very, they're, they're finding offense and a personal attack in things that just aren't there. And it's very difficult if you're in a working relationship with a person like this, because now you're constantly walking in and saying, I, I need to prop up their, their confidence. I have to prop up their self-esteem before I can even talk about things that aren't even related to them, because now I've got some sort of thing attacking here. So that happens there. The last one quickly is you're more interested in your outward message or your outward image than you are in your internal goodness. This is a big thing where people, they want to look a certain way, appear a certain way without changing the inside. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look a certain way, by the way, uh, or to have an external image. But as long as that external image is a reflection of what's happening inside, you're now in good shape. Uh, but that's an important thing to keep in mind. God sees our hearts and our insides. Everybody else sees the outside. Dave, thanks so much as always. Thanks, John. Dave Duran, our executive coach. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Kind of a fun story in the wake of Valentine's Day. Our story today called A Bunderful Marriage. A husband and wife have been married for 30 years. On the 30th anniversary of their wedding, the wife, as usual, had baked the breakfast bun in every morning tradition. During breakfast, she cut it across, buttered both sides, and as usual, started to give the top to her husband, but suddenly her hand stopped halfway. She thought, on this day, our 30th anniversary, I want to eat the rosy part of the bun. I've been dreaming about this for 30 years. You know, I've been an exemplary wife. For 30 years, I've raised fine sons for him. I've been wise and accurate with finances. I've run the household, put great effort into the health and well-being of our family. After much thought, she made up her mind. Hands trembling, she broke the 30-year-old tradition and gave the bottom portion of the bun to her husband. Slowly and gently, her husband took the bun and said to her, What a wonderful gift you've given me today, my dear. For 30 years, I did not eat my favorite part of the bun, the bottom, because I thought it should rightfully be yours. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. And a little communication doesn't hurt either. Thanks so much, Glenn. That'll do it for this Wednesday edition of Morning Air. For Glenn and Sarah, Gabby, our entire Morning Air team, I'm John Morales. Thanks for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow, Thursday, on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead.